1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 22, the Emmett Smith episode of the Writer's Block podcast, another off-season edition now that the Cowboys season is over, and we're sort of this in-between limbo of, you know, between now, the Combine, free agency, but that's okay. We got you covered with all of your off-season Cowboys news. I am Brandon Lori You can follow me on Twitter at, at BrandonIsRight, and that's W-R-I-T-E. Normally, I do have Jess Navarez here with me as my co-host, but she is unfortunately under the weather. Everything is okay. She's not kicked off the podcast, so anybody who's a fan of her, please do not stress... She's still involved very heavily, uh, but she's not feeling well. So that just means I need to go for some reinforcements. I need to recruit somebody. And like I mentioned one time before, there is no problem with having too many Brandons in this world. And I have my great friend here, Brandon Clements, fellow BTB writer. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Icebreaker21. If you have any questions about his username just tune into the week 18 uh recap episode of the writer's block he broke it all down for us we won't get into it now uh but brandon thank you for hopping on the pod and in such short notice um the one question i'll start off with you is do you feel like you have more time off now that it's the off season or are you also trying to fish for some cowboys articles uh as much as possible to keep the content flowing on btb Oh man, it's,
2: it's always a grind. And even right now it's, it's, it's a bigger grind because I love the draft and I'm always, I'm always looking for new, new material for the NFL draft because the Cowboys obviously have some needs and, and what better place to get some homegrown talent is, is in the NFL draft. So I, I'm always scouring the internet just to see and watch lots of tape and it's, it never ends for me. And it it is a little bit tougher uh, compared to doing, you know, doing the game, you know, the week by week analysis during the season, because, you know, the storylines aren't really that prevalent. So you're always looking for, you're always looking for new things. Free agency is also a nice, a nice thing. But as we know with the Cowboys free agency, it's, you know, it's going to your local thrift shop. So I don't expect some, uh, some marquee names to be uh, uh flying, flying down to Dallas as a, as a free agent signing, but that's why I, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of the NFL draft and the Cowboys have one of the youngest rosters in the league. So I, I'm always, I'm always keeping my eyes glued to the, uh, you know, to the NFL draft content.
1: You brought up the draft and I know we just started rolling out a lot of our draft content, uh, multiple writers kind of getting you up to date with everything. Uh, there was the East West shrine game. There was the senior bowl. You had an article out on sort of, uh, early quarterback prospects on day three the Cowboys should keep an eye on and I do think that coming out of Mobile that's something Jerry Jones mentioned how they do want to draft a quarterback depending on what round we'll see but I do think that they're they've strived for this day three talent when it comes to quarterback Dak Prescott being that in the fourth round Ben Nannucci in the seventh so what is your overall impression so far not only on the quarterback class but in the class in general?
2: I Honestly, I think it's a pretty deep class overall. I think you can get a lot of talent in the later rounds, which is, as you see in my article that just came out this uh, in the past few days, there's a guy that didn't exactly have a great uh, senior bowl, uh, but Max Duggan is a name that, I could see him slipping right into the, you know, the day three, like I mentioned, and the Cowboys could scoop him up, develop him. He has some really good traits. He's a very athletic player. He, believe it or not, he runs a four, six, he's in the four, six range the 40. So he's, he's a very athletic guy. I just think he needs a little bit of refinement and, and what better situation than coming into Dallas and, and, and working behind uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Dak Prescott, and just, you know, and just kind of learning from him and, and worst case scenario, if he has to come in as a, as a backup, he has enough mobility and he knows he knows he knows what he needs to do to, to make plays he's a he's a gamer so god forbid Dak gets hurt again that's that that's a guy that could come in and, and uh, in a pinch and, and do it do, do the job well and the reason why I want them to, to you know I really want them to go after a quarterback in day three is we don't know what's going to happen with Cooper Rush yeah that's you know a lot of people aren't talking about Cooper Rush you know he could possibly there's a there's a there's a team with a, a particular offensive coordinator that just recently uh you know he's he, uh, he's over with the, the Chargers now uh, named Kellen Moore. And Kellen Moore and Cooper Rush, you know, you, could, you can you could put those two back together in, in, in L.A. And, and Cooper Rush would be happy with that behind a, a, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, and, and Justin Herber. So at this point, even if he comes back, it's still probably good to get a day three player anyways, just because you, you need some youth in the room because – as we, as you noted on one of the uh, one of the BTB roundtables, Dak Prescott at one point I think he was the, besides obviously Tom Brady, but he was one of the older quarterbacks in the playoffs. Yeah. So that that's something that the Cowboys need to target on day three. It's not a need I don't think as many people are blown out of proportion as a as a day two pick. I think there's other needs that are more important than uh, than a quarterback in day two. But I have no problem early day three if if, if the right guy's there. Just you know, taking them taking them off the board and putting them on the putting him, putting the star on his helmet.
1: You bring up a great name and Doug and a great point in that Cooper Rush may leave to Los Angeles, and that's something that I'm going to be previewing in a free uh, future article. So great setup for that uh, for everybody, um, but. Duggan is a great name because Jerry Jones mentioned him by name as somebody that stood out at the Senior Bowl, somebody that he liked, you know, Texas guy and everything. And um, Mike McCarthy is also known for drafting quarterbacks seemingly every year when he was in Green Bay or at least every other year just to keep the roster churning because you never know who you're going to find. And even if it's somebody that's a Stallworth backup, somebody who you could just put in from day 1 and is with your your team for the next 4 years as a solidified backup. That's great value to have and maybe you get a comp pick if he signs a big deal afterwards or maybe you're able to trade him. So you look at and we'll get into this as well with the Eagles when they had Carson Wentz as the quarterback, they didn't that didn't stop them from drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round and how look how that turned out. Wentz is no longer with the team. Jalen Hurts is heading into the Super Bowl. So I'd like to say that that turned out well for the Eagles. Um, Before we move on, one last note. Did you watch the Senior Bowl and and catch catch up with the coverage? Yeah, I, I watched
2: I watched bits and pieces of it. I caught, you know, I caught some of the game and then unfortunately, you know, dead duties kind of took over. So I uh, <laughs> so I, I went back and watched some of the highlights later on. And then I, you know, I, I went to some of my trusted sources that I you know that I, I like to look at uh, for for content and, and, you know, get some more breakdown. And I, you know, I did see that like Max Duggan, you know, he looked like he, he had a tough game. And but uh, uh, Spears, uh, Tajay Spears. That's what I was going uh, to bring up. Yep. Man, that kid. I, I liked him. Uh, I liked him in the bowl game this uh, earlier this uh, this what was it like a month and a half ago? He he looked great. That's another player. I've actually got. A, I have an article coming out. Actually, it looks like it's coming out tomorrow about running backs uh, that could be drafted. He's, he's, he's not on that article, but he was close. Like I like to, I like to do three players at a time. It's just kind of how I like to just break it down. He was like fourth or fifth for me on guys that I really like. And if the Cowboys drafted Spears, you know, in the draft, I would be very stoked about it. So uh, it was good to see that he put on a, uh, put on a good show. And then the kid out of Michigan state, the wide receiver, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. He had a great, he had a great se- uh, senior bowl as well. He didn't have great production uh, his, uh, this past season with Michigan state. But uh, he, he showed enough where that kid could be uh, flying up draft boards.
1: And that and also the other name is Darius Rush. I know the cornerback out of South Carolina as well as a name that was kind of blowing up on the first few days. There's the tackle out of Ohio State and uh, Florida as well. Um, Osiris, I think, is the the first name. I forget um, the last name. But, um, you know, those are two guys to also keep an eye on. When we're talking about offensive line depth, you don't know what's going to happen with Tyron Smith. Apparently Jerry Jones is quoted saying that Smith and Peters are expected to be back, but again, that's so early in the process, you know, it could be Jerry speak for all we know, Um, so those are just also two names to keep an eye on. Um, Any other notes? Uh, that we need to touch on with the Senior Bowl or, or any sort of like of tribal course, stuff. Of course,
2: I got to get one Syracuse note in. Uh, Matthew Bergeron. Uh, yeah. He's he's uh, he he's played tackle for for many years at Syracuse. He's been a stalwart. Uh, you know, for for a long time, he's been a great anchor on that uh, Syracuse Orange offensive line. But uh, he's moving into guard, which I think is going to be the right position for him at the pro level. I believe he's going to be a day two, day three pick from at least from what I've been seeing from a lot of the, the you know the experts out there. And anyone that gets him, and I mean, I would love him in Dallas uh, selfishly because he's a Syracuse guy. But uh, he's a, the kid's a talented player, and whoever gets him is going to get a really good football player and a and a really good kid. You don't hear anything bad about the kid. He just he does all the right things. He's very technically sound, and I, I think I think the kid's gonna he's going to be a good pro.
1: Yeah, you know, we were just talking draft, we were just talking free agency. We're going to have other episodes for that, but since it is Super Bowl week, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at the blueprints of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, how they got to this point, how they made it to the Super Bowl. I think when Brandon and I were talking about this, trying to figure out what we were going to talk about, we came up with some interesting things when looking at the Eagles and the Chiefs. And I promise you, all the Cowboys fans out there, we will not glorify the Eagles in a way where it looks like we're fans of them. We're just looking to learn. You know, you're looking to grow. Sometimes you have to copy the smartest person in the class to get an A. It happens. You know, it just happens. Not saying that they're the smartest in the class, but they have a pretty pretty good roadmap uh, to copy. So we'll get into it. And again, like I said, because it is Super Bowl week. So I wanted to start first, Brandon, with uh, we were talking about Mobile and the Senior Bowl. Jerry Jones had an interesting um, comment when it comes to free agency and what's been brought up seemingly, especially in Cowboys Nation the past few weeks, is you look at the Super Bowl winners, not only right now with the Eagles going into the Super Bowl, but last year with the Rams built their team through free agency and trades. You look at the team before that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they went out and got Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and then they made it to the Super Bowl. So you see that there's a pattern with teams building for one year, forgetting about the cap and what happens afterwards and just trying to push their chips all in. So Jerry Jones, he was quoted in saying, anybody who thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves, but I do think longer term. And I'm I'm really hesitant to bet it all for a year. There's a lot of things that can happen for that year. In essence, we're seeing a couple of teams, the Eagles and Rams specifically, that have had some real success putting it all out there and paying for it later. A lot of that in there, he's basically saying he's seeing what's going on, the trends of the NFL, he's aware of it, he knows that he has that in his bones, but it's only like if the price is right. What do you make of those comments from the owner and general manager?
2: I think, I mean, I think he, he, he's just spot on. He's made some trades over the years, and I think he, he kind of comes off a little gun shy, which is kind of, you know, a little, like that's how I'm reading the tea leaves a little bit. He's coming off a little gun shy, which it doesn't surprise me, especially when you trade for receivers, because I'm just gonna think three receivers, three receiver trades that did not work out very well. Let's see, Joey Galloway, that didn't work out well. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Roy Williams, the receiver, didn't work out well. Amari Cooper, eh? What What do these picks have in common? There was no Super Bowl at the end of the at the Rainbow. So I I don't I don't I don't mind Jerry Jones. You know he doesn't have to be as risky through trades anymore. Like you can you can trust Will McClay. You can make you can make great draft picks, and you have been able to find some really good bargain bins, and even signing some in house. Uh, you know draft picks that were you know potentially you know open leaving the mar- leaving the team for another team like like Dorrance Armstrong like Dorrance Armstrong was a bargain bin and that's a super fine because he had a heck of a season so i, I don't think i don't think trader jerry's totally gone but as you can see with the recent successes back to back 12 win seasons back to back playoffs wild card last year divisional round this past year i you know i think he's starting to figure it out in a way where okay, I don't need to blow up my, uh, my my future to just go all in because they're already close as it is. Yeah. So I think he realizes, okay, I don't need to give up all of these picks just for that one player where I can, I can trust the process, trust Will McClay, trust my scouts, and just nail these draft picks, which, by the way, they've done it pretty well recently. I think in one draft alone, picks one and two were CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs. I, I, you know, I, if I last last time I checked, those have worked out pretty well. So, and then the Micah Parsons, obviously. So it's for me. I think I think Jerry his approach has changed over over the years. Everyone expects him to make the big trades. I don't think you're going to see a, a splash trade like a Morris Claiborne trade because that obviously didn't work out as well. So I, I think I think at this point, you have the you have enough capital. Use the use those picks. You know, if you need to trade back a little bit to acquire more picks. You know, if you want another day two pick, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think, I think Jerry is just, I think he's starting to realize, okay, I don't need to exactly go, you know, and make the big trades for the reported rumors out there. You know, of course the different sites out there are not going to give him any credit, but you know, like the, the Jalen Ramsey talk and, and whatnot, like w- the Cowboys, would that be cool? Sure. That would be great. But would you give up your future just for one player I don't think that players, you know, nothing, nothing Jalen Randy, but I don't, think, I don't think he's worth what they would, what the Rams would want for him. So it, to me, at the end of the day, just, I would stick with the draft and I think Jerry Jones is, he's really trusting the, the Will McClay's of the world and the rest of his, his team and just letting them build through the, through the draft. And it's proven that way. Cause like I said earlier, they're one of the youngest rosters in the league. And that includes a guy who was one of the, he's the second oldest player in the league, Jason Peters, and they still were one of the youngest teams in the league. So what does that tell you about the team They're, they want to keep their talent from what they like to keep the draft picks home and keep them as long as possible. and, and I think that's the way to keep going for now.
1: You bring up a great point with mentioning names like a Jalen Ramsey, and I wrote an article about maybe some potential free agents Dan Quinn can sign, can kind of recruit, and I put Ramsey's name out there, but as an option of if he was released and then the Cowboys can sign him, I don't think they're trading any draft capital for him because his price tag is just way too high. But you look at you know some names that are out there, like you look at a free agent almost like a Marcus Peters, you know somebody who has a proven track record if they can't bring back Anthony Brown for whatever reason, if they decide to part ways with him. that's a name that again he's an older guy an older player proven success but you know his off the field issues or on the field scuffles might bring the price tag down he's been injured the previous few seasons and that might bring the price tag down low and that's kind of like the cowboys realm of that they work in and I look at the Eagles and I look at the Chiefs and my next question was is Jerry Jones being the GM of the Cowboys sort of hurting him? And this isn't anti-Jerry Jones. It's just looking at it from an analytical standpoint. You look at the Chiefs, they have Brad Veach. And you look at the Eagles, they have Howie Roseman, who arguably had one of the best offseasons with acquiring talent to make the the roster better. So I look at, you know, trading for an A.J. Brown, John C. Gardner-Johnson, uh, signing players like Bradbury, Indomitius Su, trading for Robert Quinn, who's just been a rotational guy, but they gave up picks for him. And you look at the Chiefs, they're, they're more on the value side, similar to the Cowboys, but with success. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, Justin Reed has been very good for him. So again, quality players, but on cheaper deals because they have the quarterback around them. So when you look at both of the GMs of the Eagles and the Chiefs, does one kind of fit the mold of Jerry Jones a little bit more or all three kind of just working on their own path? I
2: honestly, it has to be the Chiefs. I feel like I feel like they, the Chiefs are they're building around their quarterback, which that's I mean when you have Patrick Mahomes, that's that's probably not a bad thing to do. And then Dak Prescott is not on the level of of a of a Patrick Mahomes, but he's proven that he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think we can agree on that. And what the Chiefs have done, actually better than the Cowboys, is is they've actually they've built the receiving core up after losing Tyreek Hill. You know, losing someone like Tyreek Hill in a trade, which they got a great haul for Tyreek Hill, which that worked out well for uh, for them before he got the big contract with the Dolphins. They still, I mean, they got guys on those cheap deals like the MVSs, the you know, uh, the, the Juju Smith Schuster's. I mean, they they are good at that, and they also drafted Sky Moore, which I think that's a that's a player to watch out for in the future. I think that kid's got a that kid's got a high ceiling. So I think the Chiefs are really smart when it comes to. They they go after certain you know they go after certain bargain bin players because they don't have the room to pay top dollar for for certain positions because they they're paying Patrick Mahomes a lot of money and 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 like we were talking before the show he you know the the Chiefs have have done it right where they've spread out that Mahomes contract for so long. Where you can you can you can kind of push things out a little bit and, and alleviate that cap hit from year to year, and that means you can go out and, and, and get some talent or keep some talent in house just to keep that keep that thing going. Because I mean I mean look at a guy like like uh, Sneed. that's 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 a that's a great player Willie Gay another great player. I mean they they know how to draft, and that's the thing. And it doesn't hurt to also have one of the best defensive linemen in the game, Chris Jones. So I mean the Chiefs are doing it pretty well. The, the one area that the cowboys obviously i i feel are are better and they're they they're kind of i would say more rich in that department is the running backs i mean i don't i, I think they i think the chiefs did miss on C.E.H. i think they gave up too much for for a first round pick i know it's a late first but C.E.H., ch has been you know he's been decent but he, he he's he, to me if, if i had to put a you know a round on like from what he's done since he's been in the league he's like a third or fourth round player and yeah. and that's not any diss, i mean He's he, he has a good role, but they you know you can't hit on all your draft picks. The Cowboys haven't hit. I mean, Taco Charlton that was a bad miss when uh, some guy named uh, uh, I think uh, uh, what was it uh, T.J. Watt from the the steel uh, he got drafted by the Steelers right after. So you know you're gonna miss on picks, but the key that the the key to how the Chiefs have done it is they they've hit a once in a generation uh, quarterback. That's you know when you get a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you do not let him go. That, that, guy, that guy is never going to wear anything but red. He's going to be a chief for the rest of his career. And you know what? And, and hopefully the Cowboys use that blueprint that they've done with Mahomes, maybe to not the extent of the contract, because Mahomes is on a different level than Dak Prescott. But maybe maybe throw some more years, maybe do an early extension, extend that extend that contract out, maybe put some void years at the back end, just so you can keep his cap number down, where you can re-sign a Tony Pollard, where you you know, when Micah Parsons is gonna be due for a big contract, CeeDee Lamb's gonna be due for a big contract. So it's it there's a lot of moving parts, and I think the Chiefs do it really well. And and I here's the thing, I I can't give the Eagles too much credit because you know we're 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 a cowboy show. But they they've made moves in free agency and in trades that I'm sitting there like that trade for Garner Johnson. Like you gave up that you only gave up that much for him. And you gave up uh, I think our, our Sega white side, which he, now he's not, I don't even think he's in the league anymore. Like, and you get a guy that's that impactful on defense and you barely give up anything. And then you also get an Indomitian suit later in the season. Like these are moves that I would like, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, Man, sometimes I wish the Cowboys would make these kind of moves. So I have to give Howie Roseman and company credit on that front. But I think the approach of the Chiefs works works much better. And, it, and it, again, it all comes down to having passion for homes. At the end of the day, he's the he, he's the best quarterback in the league. And it's not, never a bad thing to have the best quarterback in the league at such
1: a young age and for such a long time. You bring up the quarterback position, and we'll talk about that. It's a good teaser for the final question that I have. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but we're going to focus on two positions that you sort of brought up in the same conversation. First, we're going to talk about wide receiver and how the plans have been for both teams and then running back. So you set it up perfectly. So great job. Not scripted. Good job on your end. So with wide receiver, I do think first and foremost, that is the qu- the quickest way, the fastest way the Cowboys can get potentially to the Super Bowl because they have the defense. They need to resign a lot of guys. But where they were lacking this season was offensive explosion, especially when you lose a guy like Tony Pollard in a playoff game and you just have C.D. Lamb producing. And again, Jerry Jones and Mobile said himself, he said they put too much, I think, pressure and emphasis on trusting Michael Gallup to be 100% healthy you know, throughout the duration of the season. And they put too much in the basket of Jalen Tolbert to develop as quick as possible. So they understand that there are holes that need to be filled at that position. You look at the Eagles. They've done it in twofold back back-to-back seasons. They draft Devonta Smith in the first round, and then they trade a first-round pick for a talent of A.J. Brown, and they sort of stack two number ones together. Again, we mentioned the value uh, bargain bin that the Chiefs have done, but that's because Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. They can allow themselves to do that. In my opinion, Dak Prescott is closer to Jalen Hurts than he is Patrick Mahomes, and that is totally fine. Both, you know, top 10, top 15 quarterbacks. We'll see what the future holds. But I, where do you think the Cowboys can improve in 2023? Do you think they need to trade again, almost like an Amari Cooper trade, where they trade a first-round pick for somebody, maybe on a rookie deal uh, for maybe a year or two left? Or do they go out and draft a wide receiver in the first round? That's the best route. Or do you sign a guy like an Odell Beckham Jr. to pair with a CeeDee Lamb, trying to give two number ones?
2: Honestly, I, I think the draft's the way, way to go at this point. And I think more importantly, I think it's in the first uh, the first couple rounds. I, I believe the the receiver class I don't feel is as deep as it has as it has been in, in years past. But there's still some great players there. I, I don't see I, I don't see the, uh, the the Cowboys getting one of the you know the the top receiver on the board from TCU. I just don't see that happening because I think he's going to go in the top fifteen, maybe top ten. You know, depending on what board you're looking at, and we'll you know we'll kind of see where things go from there. That kid's a really good player, but you can still you can still get a, uh, a, a JSN, J- Jackson Smith and jigba from like Ohio State. You can get him. Uh, you can get Hyatt from, from Tennessee, there's some guy that guy and then there's there's a, there's a, there's a good two uh, second and third round uh, mix of, of receivers where it, it just depends on what your flavor is. I think that's where you go and, and, and get a player. I don't think the the receiving market for free uh, free agency market is not, I don't think it's really rich this year. I think it's a very, it's a, you know, you can get like a Marvin Jones, which he's, you know, he's a good, he's a good player. He's a good piece, but he's not, you know, he's not going to, I don't think he takes your team to the next level. And I don't see the Cowboys going after a, uh, going after a receiver and in a trade. Like you're, you're like, you're not going to go give up a multiple picks for a, uh, for a T Higgins. I just don't see that happening. So, it, 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 to me, I think I think you go through the draft. There's a lot of great, uh, a lot of great talent in the first three rounds. I think it falls off after the third or fourth round, to be to be completely honest. But you can find somebody on day one, day two that can come in right away. Even as Zay Flowers from Boston College, he's another player that I know a lot of people are very high on. You could bring you. you just got to bring. I think you got to bring in a, a guy just early in the draft. That's that's the way to go. And I think they're I think they're one legit. Receiver away from really going going somewhere big because as you saw throughout the year It was CD lamb or nobody else. So you you need you need a second option Michael Gallup is he'll be one year removed from the you know He'll be another year from removed from the ACL injury. So that's you know, that's a good thing So maybe he comes back to the player that we knew he you know that he was before the injury And then you pair him in one of those, you know a top draft pick. That's a pretty good threesome and, you know, and, that, and I think Dak Prescott would be happy about that.
1: I completely agree with you with drafting a wide receiver in the first round. You look at the names. I think that they have more talent in the first round of the draft at wide receiver than free agents. You know, a Juju, he'll be available, and I know him and Dak hit it off last offseason, but you're getting somebody that's, again, an aging player. I think he might be over that 30 threshold or close to it. So, again, I think wide receiver even, you know, was floated out there today that Keenan Allen might be a, t- a potential cap casualty in Los Angeles and if you bring a guy like that in it's great he has the veteran experience and would be great you know to have in the room with CD but again you're paying for a player who's also been injured the previous few seasons so now you're dealing with that and Odell Beckham it looks like he's uh, running routes finally you know putting that stuff out on Twitter but again you're getting a guy with some injury history if you get an explosive first round wide receiver they're coming straight out of college Injuries happen, but they're healthier, they're more explosive, and like you said, I think having the combination of Michael Gallup, a first-round receiver, CeeDee Lamb, and then whatever Jalen Tolbert develops into, that's a pretty good – for combination, you don't have to worry about bringing back Noah Brown. Simi Fajoko still on a, a, a contract, or rookie deal, so maybe he develops again um, You know, going into year three. So I think that's the best route. And it does kind of coincide with what the Eagles did with drafting Devonta Smith, which opened up the realm for them to play a little bit more with the wide receiver room. But transitioning to running back, you, again, Another article that you just wrote and put out on Blogging the Boys is, you know, do the Cowboys bring back Elliott and Pollard? And I think we're aligned with how we similarly think about this. But Danny Phantom also put an article out, and it seeming at the same time, like he wanted to write an anti-article years, uh, about you look at the Chiefs model, and he referenced that how they the Cowboys should not prioritize the running back position like they used to. You look at the starting running backs through the Super Bowl, Isaiah Pacheco, Rutgers alum, my my uh, alma mater, uh, 830 yards on the season, five touchdowns. Looks like a great player, has been great for the Chiefs for the majority of the season, mostly the back half. But then you look at a Miles Sanders drafted in the second round four years ago, has over 1,200 yards rushing, 11 touchdowns. An integral role to what the Eagles have been doing all season. So... You look at those two and it's like, okay, they're not giving up as much draft capital as the Cowboys have in the past with an Ezekiel Elliott. They're not paying as much. They're still on rookie deals. Where do you think the Cowboys go? Because there are questions about Elliott and Pollard, you know, possibly being re-signed. What's the best way you think the Cowboys, you know, can get again to the Super Bowl in 2023 with the running back position?
2: I think I think the key is I think they got to try to maneuver maneuver the money around a little bit and get and, and have Zeke, which it seems like he's you know he's been willing to you know make a deal and, and bring that contract down a little bit because ideally I do want to see Pollard and Zeke back in the, as a one-two combination. Obviously Pollard is the lead dog at this point. Uh, Zeke Zeke's not the same player anymore, and he's not worth that uh, number two uh, uh, running back cap hit for 2023. But he's. He's still got a role. He still he still can play at a, at a decent level. He had double digit touchdowns this year. So it's not like it's not like the guy fall off a cliff or anything. Like, they, like the guy can still play some football. And I think what they need to do is they need to shift that big contract to Zeke's, have him in and he, if, if he's willing to take like a you know a two-thirds pay cut, I think that can work. And then you slide that money to Tony Pollard, you keep both guys in. You give Tony Pollard like an eight to $10 million per year contract, which is, which is in line for what kind of a player he is at this point. And, and you know, he's, he, his, his trajectory is up. So it's, it's actually good that we're, you know, we're, we're at this point where he's, you know, he's still, he still hasn't hit his ceiling yet. So I think the Cowboys can get him for, you know, maybe just under 10 million bucks. And then he's one of the, many come becomes one of the best running backs, you know, in the league for multiple seasons at a, at a decent cap number. I think that works well. And then with with Ezekiel Elliott, you can use him like I've said on on, on many roundtables this you know the last few weeks. He you can still use him as a you know the the red zone back, the short yardage back. Let him just let him be the pound, like let him just let him be the hammer. You know, or or the uh, the old saying, the thunder and lightning. Let Pollard be the lightning. Let you know let Zeke be the thunder. And you know what? If if, if the if the carries go Pollard seventy percent, you know uh, share thirty percent to Zeke. I'm happy with it. And you know what? They're both going to have good years and they're going to be pretty fresh considering, I I think at the end of the year. And then in my article that's coming out, you know, that's coming out here very soon, uh, it's going to, it should be coming out in the next, uh, next day or two. It's, it's a, you know, I I like, I like the day two, I like the day two, the early day three running backs. Like I, I, like if, if I had the perfect draft, I go receiver or cornerback one and two first, first, second round, I don't care which way you go. It just depends on who's there and what do you think the value is. Give me a receiver, get me a cornerback between one rounds one and two. I'm happy. And then if you can get a guy like a Sean Tucker, another Syracuse guy, you know, with, uh, you know, got to give my, got to get some love to, uh, to Sean Tucker. He had a heck of, he's had a, he, he didn't have his best season in 2022, but he, he still, he's still one of the better running backs in this class. If you look back, he was an all American in 2021. The, the, the kids got juice and, um, I didn't put a player comp out on my next article, but if, if you if you like the if you like a guy named Austin Eckler, you'll be happy with Sean Tucker. I think he's got he's got that kind of game about him, and you could probably get him. I, I would say I don't see him going anything earlier than like a, a mid the mid the late third round. So you could take a chance get him th- in the third round and get a heck of a running back. I mean, everybody wants the Cowboys to get Bijan. I think that's a little too rich for me. I, I think, I think a first round pick on a running back when you, when you could still have Tony Pollard and Zeke, I think that's just, I don't think that's a good way to, to use your draft capital, go get the positions that obviously were a detriment to the, the success of the team. were it, it ended up doing the team in this year, go get the cornerback. go get the receiver, you know, first two picks, even if you want to go in the fourth round and get a running back, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of great running backs this year. I mean, I'm, I'm looking here. I mean, you could go with a tank Bigsby. Uh, you could also go with, um, you could go with Zach Evans from Ole Miss. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's a, there's a litany of running backs. I think this class is pretty deep and I know there's a name that I really like. And uh, it's the, the uh, kid Vaughn from uh, Kansas state. I absolutely love that kid. He's, he's undersized. One of the same school as Darren Sproles. He's not the typical Cowboys pick at running back. Because of his size, he just doesn't check those boxes, and that's the big thing when you're looking at these mock drafts. You got to see what kind of running backs the Cowboys have gone for historically. He's not the kind of running back that he they, that they go for, but he would be such a fun pick in like the fourth round or somewhere in the you know in that you know that late day three or early or early, you know early day three late day two. He's a dynamic player, and, and I remember watching that Bama game, and I was I was talking my you know talking to a friend of mine he was a, he's a huge he's a huge Alabama fan. And I said, right before the game started, I was like, Vaughn's going to break one big, and he did. He, he went, I think, 87 yards for a touchdown. So he he's another name to look out for. And and, and that's the thing. If you're going to pick a running back three, middle round is okay. But if you don't take a, a running back in the draft, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that means you're very happy with Malik Davis. And I think a lot of us want to see what's the next step for Malik Davis. So I think – I think drafting a running back in the in the day two, early day you know, early day three, you know, in that round in that realm, it's it's an insurance policy in case you lose one or both power of Zeke. And then you know what? Then you could you know, you could still have Malik Davis and then if you lose one or one or two power of Zeke, you can bring in you'll you'll still have three quality running backs. I think I think that's more of an insurance plan and it's never a bad thing to have quality running backs on your roster.
1: You brought up the fact that the Cowboys might draft a running back. I think that's exactly why. And believe me, I love Zeke. I put on Twitter today, if Zeke leaves and I don't see him with Dak Prescott, to me, it's like the end of an era in Cowboys history that, again, you don't reach the mountaintop with those two guys together. It would be a changing of the guard. But that, to me, like you kind of explained in a world where now I'm starting to believe that Elliott might not be on the roster. Like I think in their minds they might justify saying – Well, the six or seven million, maybe 10 million that we can give Zeke to just keep him around. We can give to a few other guys that maybe, you know, you're bringing back. uh, I don't know, like somebody like a Donovan Wilson. You know, would you give the 10 million a year to Donovan Wilson as opposed to Elliott? I'd say his impact is a lot more than what Elliott provided. Believe me, I wish it doesn't happen. Um, I hope Elliott's back. But I do think now the front office is in a mindset where they're looking at value and the way they were able to hit a lot of boxes with getting, taking the Randy Gregory money, the Amari Cooper money and turning it into six or seven guys that they brought in a free agency on one-year deals. That might be the roadmap that they go with moving forward. So believe me, I, I hope it's not the case. I love Elliott back. I will say this though.
2: I think if the price is right, you keep Zeke, but yeah. I think, I think if 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 Zeke's not willing to to take a decent pay cut, then you know you got to You, you got to know this obviously before the draft, before you you know put your board together. Because if there's if there's even one lick of doubt that Zeke's not coming back or Tony Power's not coming back, we better be getting a quarter, or running back in the draft. The running back needs to come off the board. That's not a question. But if Zeke and Pollard are both back, they move the money around a little bit. You know you don't necessarily need to draft a back, but. I, I still think it's never a bad thing to get a, a quality running back in the middle of the rounds, especially in a deep class like this. This year's running back class, I think, is just—it's you know, maybe it's not top-heavy with top for you know first-round picks, but that middle—that middle of the draft, there's a lot of talent that could be starting on an on a, NFL on a roster in a very short in a very short uh, in time frame.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. VAN29.com.
1: going with the run game that a lot has to do with coaching the emphasis on run game and the Cowboys have changed their coaching staff seemingly overnight let a lot of guys go didn't re-sign some guys Kellen Moore specifically like we talked about left so now Mike McCarthy is taking over the play calling duties and when you look at again the Super Bowl team's both of them have offensive-minded head coaches that certainly have their input on the offensive game plan. But when it comes to the to play calling, you have Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City and Sean uh, Shane Steichen for the Eagles, and both of those guys are taking over the play calling duties and allowing the offensive coaches to kind of just float around. Sort of similar what Mike McCarthy was during his three seasons with the Cowboys, but now he's flipping the script. He's going to be calling the plays and just have Brian Schottenheimer as a guy that puts his input on the offense. I look at, you know, there are coaches that have success like this with the Mike McCarthy model now. You have somebody like a Kyle Shanahan, a Sean McVay with the Rams. There's guys that are proven to have success and do it. But do, the, the problem with me is I don't know what Mike McCarthy is as a play caller because he hasn't done it for, for years now, which is also intriguing, but also very terrifying at the same time because has he matured with his offensive game planning? Is he going to be going back to his old roots where it isn't adjusting to the modern NFL? So... Do you think this is the best route for the Cowboys to get past the divisional round, go to the NFC Championship, or do you think it's sort of like setting up for Mike McCarthy's swung song uh, and being out in twenty
2: twenty four? It, it could go either way, to be honest with you. I think I think the the Schottenheimer hiring, you know, or the I should say the promotion uh, to you know to offensive coordinator that that was a good move by McCarthy because. One thing I know about the Schottenheimer family—they know how they—they they know how to—they they know how to play, you know, have play calls. Uh, they scheme it up. They know how to do it. They know how to design great plays. So to me, I'm not concerned about that because the Schottenheimers—they're known for designing great plays. You know, the late great Martin, Marty Schottenheimer was a great play designer as well, and Brian's a great Brian Schottenheimer is a great play designer, especially in the run game, which I think will be exciting. And and Mike McCarthy. I, I, you know what? People forget, and I know I know a lot of people get on McCarthy for for what he was in Green Bay and everything, and how how that all played out. But the one thing I will say is he was a top ten coordinator. You know the offenses were top ten for a majority of the time he was in Green Bay, minus a couple a couple uh, you know you know tough seasons, including his final uh, final uh, season there with the Packers. But and yes, people can say Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. But at the end of the day, you still have to have good play calls in there to let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. So for me, I think you know having Mike McCarthy jumping into the driver's seat for this offense, I think is a good idea from a play calling perspective. Because I think when he was he set out for a, for a year, and when he came back to the game, I bet you he learned a lot of uh, you know he took some soul searching and he figured out okay I can't do this anymore. I gotta I gotta change things up. I gotta spice and th- I gotta spice in the playbook up a little bit. And, and bringing somebody like a Schottenheimer into the mix as the offensive coordinator, I just those two minds together, I feel like are going to it's going to be a, a match made in heaven. And yes, maybe that's my half glass, you know, full, you know, optimism. But at this point, I think Mike McCarthy's putting all the chips on the table and saying I'm going to give it my best shot. I think I'm the right guy to play, you know, call the plays, and I think Schottenheimer's the right play designer that I, you know, that can help me get the game plan ready each week. For, you know, to put out the best offense possible, and maybe that involves uh, some more Cavante Turpin uh, action. That'd be nice. We'll see. Maybe we'll see how that goes. But that's to me, it's it has a it has a great chance to be really good, or it can really fail. It, it's it's you're you're kind of walking a fine line. But I trust Mike McCarthy more than more than a lot of people do. And the proof is in the point. Like I said, he's been a top ten uh, offensive coach in, in this league for for many years. And Schottenheimer has been a pretty darn good offensive, uh, offensive mind in this league, offensive coach in this league for many years, putting them together. It can't hurt. I, you know, I just don't think, uh, you know, a Bien-Aimé, I don't think that, you know, he, he wants to be a head coach. I don't think he leaves Kansas city. You know, there's so many dream offensive coordinators out there. I just don't think, I don't think they're going to leave their post for another offensive coordinator job. I think the top offensive coordinators in the, in the game today are waiting for their call. Like Eric, the to be a head coach. So, to me, I think this is the right move at the right time, and I think this is what's going to get the Cowboys over the hump and hopefully not just for an NFC Championship game in, in, in the, the upcoming season, but let's get back to the Super Bowl. Let's do it.
1: I think the this might be a stupid answer, but that's why I think it relies so heavily on Dak Prescott this season to improve and take that next step, and I think that's why, again, the ripple effect of that is putting good pieces around him to succeed. You know, Mike McCarthy has – helped quarterbacks improve. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a talent, but Mike McCarthy helped, you know, him grow as a quarterback and improve and unlock that talent. If he had a bad coordinator, a bad coach, we might be seeing a different Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes it's like the talent is placed in a bad system and can never improve. You look at Josh Rosen, somebody who had talent and maybe not the attitude, but you never know with some of these guys when they're put into a bad organization, get drafted, and then all their talent is put to waste and before you know it, they're Blake Bortles and then they're out of the league.
2: Hey, and I'll tell you this: you just brought up You just brought up a, a great scenario. Let's see, uh, Patrick Mahomes, guy that's uh, in the Super Bowl uh, this coming weekend. Oh, who's the coach? Oh, that's right, a- Andy Reid, one of the uh, great offensive minds, one of the great coaches the league has ever seen. That was a match made in heaven. So, to your point, that that is uh, that's that's the that's the way you want to look at it. And, and like you said, Dak Prescott, again, he's not a Patrick Mahomes. We all understand that, but. Maybe this Mike McCarthy Schottenheimer, you know, this 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 little uh, marriage, I guess, on the offensive side. Maybe this is what was needed to really, you know, and I, and I hate to say this because he's a 29 year old quarterback, but maybe it's maybe they can find some ways to to call the game in a different way that better suits Dak. Because I, I don't at times I felt like Kellen Moore wasn't putting the the best foot forward for Dak's skill set, and I think you have to realize the kind of player Dak is. I don't think Dak needs to, and I've said it before, and I've said it on multiple occasions, articles and uh, you know, different, you know, different uh, podcast shows, where Dak should not be throwing the ball more than the 30 to 35 times a game. If he's, if he's over 35, if you look at the numbers, he, his win-loss percentages, it's not good. If you keep him at like 30, 30, you know, 30 attempts a game, that's the money. That's the, that, that right there, 25-30 is even better that means you're relying on the run game, you know, you're you're, you're having balance. And, and and the key thing is at times I felt like there wasn't enough balance on offense. And in that Packers game, Mike McCarthy's old team, he threw the Dak Prescott threw the ball almost 50 times. And what happened in that game? Oh that's right. They they lost the game. So to me th- Dak Prescott, they need to they need to change the change the route tree a little bit too because when you're running when you're running curls on uh, you know on all receivers, all four receivers are running curls that's not good play design. And you know I me, mean. we've talked about on the writer's block, you know, before. I I've always been a Kel Moore guy. You know, you know, I followed him at Boise State. He's also a lefty, just like I am. So uh, you know, he's you know, he's naturally a smart guy, anyways, at that point. But he he just sometimes I feel like he was a little less daisical as a play caller. And it's t- you know, I think this is gonna freshen things up. And I wouldn't be surprised to see. The most complete Dak Prescott in in 2023. I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing how this 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 whole pairing between Schottenheimer. McCarthy and Prescott uh, works I think it's going to be a lot of fun
1: I think we won't see to to your credit and and I completely agree I think if he has the run like he did his rookie season to lean on I think we're going to see a more conservative Prescott and I think that that might not necessarily lead to 5,000 yards in a season 40 touchdowns but if it keeps his interception total lower you look at all the games that they lost the season where he threw interceptions and you think maybe one or two were taken away the outcomes of the game are a little bit different so I completely agree with you there before we move on to the quarterback and that'll be the final question uh, I did think of one as we were talking about free agents and sort of the important pieces to the offenses that are in the Super Bowl and there was a question that I saw on Twitter, I think posed by PFF, and they said, Who's the most valuable non quarterback in the league? And they put a picture of Travis Kelsey up there. And it's tough to argue for what he means to the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And you look against the opposite side with the Eagles, they have a tight end in Dallas Goddard that they've drafted and developed to be, when healthy, a top, close to top 10 tight end. Well, the Cowboys have a free agent in Dalton Schultz that they've developed, they've drafted. And the price tag might be high. They they franchise-tagged him. He was a little unhealthy. But still, he'll probably d- demand a lot of money in free agency. Isn't there an argument to be made that bringing him back will help the success of Dak Prescott? Because you look at the roadmap to these two teams in the, in the Super Bowl right now, they have a very, very good tight ends to lean on. And Dak and, and Dalton, when healthy, the both of them, create a lot of chemistry together. So is there an argument to be made that Dalton Schultz should be one of the high-priority free agents for the Cowboys?
2: Absolutely. I, I think that's a great point, Brandon. I think that's, I, I couldn't agree more. Cause as you, you know, as you pointed out, Kelsey, Kelsey to me, and I, before you, before you dropped it, he was the, you know, the most, uh, the most, you know, valuable non quarterback in the league, I would say it's him and Micah Parsons, you know, selfishly as like as a Cowboys fan, I think Micah Parsons is the same way, but I think, I think Travis Kelsey is, you know, that's his. That's Mahomes' safety valve. He he got he got the ball to uh, he got the ball to uh, to Kelsey on multiple occasions. You know during the, this playoff run, he 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 knows he knows when when the pocket breaks down. And at this point, Mahomes is not you know healthy. He's he's got a he's got a bum uh, bum ankle, so he's kind of you know he's not he's not his normal uh, mobile self. He knows that if if stuff hits the fan, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to look for for old Kelsey and uh, Kelsey will get me a touchdown or a first down. And, and Dallas Goddard's another, another player where, you know, he's, he, he's played well. And I think, and that was, and he was the reason, you know, Zach Ertz was uh, moved on because they were comfortable with his development. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with, with Schultz. I, I love Dalton Schultz. And again, it always comes down to me if the price is right and we can still bring Dalton Schultz back for the, for another year, I am completely on board but the unfortunate reality is I don't think the Cowboys are going to value him as much as Dalton Schultz values himself and what the other, the open market is going to value him. I, I don't, I, I just, as much as i love to see him back, and I think it'd be a good thing to have him back because he would be Dak Prescott's safety valve, just like Witten was Romo's uh, safety valve for, for many years. I just, I, I think the Cowboys are seeing it. And I think we've all seen it. The development of, of these, uh, these, these, these tight ends, Ferguson's looking like he's going to be a player. And, you know, Hendershot looks good. And then McEwen, he's another guy that, I mean, that, that trio could, you know, that, you know what, we could see, we could see a nice jump. And honestly, if I had to pick my, pick my poison out of those, uh, those guys, I think Hendershot to me has the highest ceiling of all of them. I think Ferguson's a quality player, but I think the ceiling on Hendershot, I just, I, have seen more, I've seen more flashes from him than I have from, from, uh, from Ferguson, which he's still a good player. And I think he, 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 I think he, you know, having those two as a one, two punch is definitely very, a very um, formidable, but I I think, I think Hendershot's the guy that could take this, this, uh, this tight end room to the next level. And that's nothing against Dalton Schultz. I just think at the end of the day, it comes down to dollars and cents and you have to value. Is it Tony Pollard and maybe, or is it Dalton Schultz? And I think the obvious answer on that one is, is Tony Pollard in that situation. So again, Prices. If the price is right, Schultz, you're you're welcome in open arms. But I think he's just going to uh, he's going to command a big contract in the offseason, and, and I think he's going to be playing uh, in a different uniform next year.
1: The Cowboys value versatility, and I think that's why if you had to put you know player against player, Pollard or Schultz, I think Pollard gives you a little bit more. We saw it with being a wide receiver and a running back, and that's something that the position flex. That's sort of like the Cowboys' bread and butter at, at every position: defensive line, offensive line. So I think you get a little bit more from Pollard. And there are some tight ends in the draft that you can, you know, re-up re on. And uh, shout out to David Hallman. Um He put out his first mock draft that he's going to do every Monday. He took, I think, Luke Musgrave, I think or I think might be the name, from Oregon State. Explosive player. I think he was at the Senior Bowl and got a lot of good reviews and everything. So he's a player to look out for. And Kincaid is another one. Um, you know, so there are some guys in the draft that the Cowboys could take. Now, Halman took him in the first round. So I don't know if, how comfortable I feel about that. Uh, but that might be where you have to draft these guys, given you're having like a second round pick at that point.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, Halman does a great job and I, he, he has a lot of great points and he, a lot of times he sways me into the different directions, when I don't even think I, I want to go in that direction. So, you know, Halman might be able to word the word it to me where in a way I'm like, Oh yeah, let's, let's do it. First, first round, he, you know, Halman, Halman makes some great points. I just think a tight end in the first round is just a little too rich considering, you know the, the depth that the, the Cowboys already have. They have they're four deep at the position, and then if Schultz is on his way out, you have three quality tight ends. I just I, I don't see I don't see them targeting a the tight end in the in the draft this year. I really don't. You know if they do, they may try to go with uh, you know you know uh, maybe like a sixth round or seventh round pick. You know, maybe maybe they'll find some guy that uh, you know, like uh, like uh, one of the former uh, tight ends that played for Baylor basketball back in the day, Rico Gathers. Maybe maybe they find a guy like that in the sixth, seventh round, and say we're going to throw a dart, throw it out, you know, throw it out a dartboard and see, you know, see what happens and, and, and go with that. But I just and Luke and Musgrave's a heck of a talent, by the way. I have I've watched his tape and I watched him at the Senior Bowl. I've seen I've seen his highlights. The kid is a stuck. I think the kid is going to be really darn good. But if I'm going to get a tight end, you know, I want to wait till, I want to wait till next year. Cause uh, that that kid out of Georgia is pretty darn good. So, I mean, if you're going to get a tight end, that's a generational talent, but that's for another day. So, At this point, round six or seven, maybe. But I don't think it's something that the Cowboys absolutely need.
1: You wait till round four, you get Ferguson. You wait till round seven, you maybe get Jeff Swaim 2.0. And if you go undrafted, that's totally fine because you end up with Peyton Hendershot. So I think that's the route that you see with the Cowboys. I know they signed a a couple tight ends to Futures contracts as well. So they have a pool to to pull from. um, We've been talking about the quarterback position. And again, you know, Stephen Jones mentioned how they're open to possibly extending Dak Prescott this offseason. He's due in a few years for another contract. But if you look at his cap hit, and I'll kind of break things down, because I think when you look at the numbers, it's very interesting in certain scenarios. And I know a lot of Cowboys fans aren't too big of fans of Dak Prescott right now, given how it played out in the playoffs. But when you look at the quarterback of like a Patrick Mahomes. We talked about him earlier. How the Chiefs got on him early and extended him for a ten-year contract, which Tyron Smith, to me, to my knowledge, was the only one who was ever given a ten-year deal. And you look at his cap hit; it's around forty-plus million a year, which is justified given his production. But I, from what I've heard from other people and other podcasts talking about other general managers, they say, yeah, it's a big cap hit. But like you mentioned before. You know what he's making every single year, so it's a it's a consistent budget. To where you look at the rest of your team, you know, okay, this is going to be this number every single year, and it's pretty consistent. But when you look at Dak Prescott, his 2023 cap it, and originally in 2022 it was at 19.7 million. In 23, he's owed about 49 million dollars. Patrick Mahomes' 2023 cap it is 46 million. So Dak Prescott is getting paid three million more then the person who's going to be MVP probably twice over and you know possibly win the Super Bowl. So when you look at that, it's like it doesn't make sense. But like you mentioned earlier, if you extend him, you not only push the cap number down a lot, you extend him and you have a franchise quarterback to build around for the foreseeable future, which the Cowboys and Stephen Jones said that they hope that Prescott is the quarterback for the next 10 years. But I also look at what's going to happen not only this offseason but next offseason. Lamar Jackson is due. Joe Burrow might be getting a contract. Justin Herbert is going to be due. If you can beat, you know, all these guys to the punch early, you will look at, you know, Patrick Mahomes' $40 million cap hit, and probably five years from now, it's going to look like a a bargain because the cap is going to keep going up. The quarterback number and the market is going to be driven a lot higher. So if you can get Prescott at a lower number now, and I understand he took the four-year deal compared to the six because of the cap number going up. He wanted to dip his toe in twice. But if he sees the writing on the wall that I want to help my team, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen and what he did in Buffalo, it might be a perfect marriage for the Cowboys to say, you know what, let's extend him, maybe give him an extra four years, an extra six years, give him almost like a cushion of maybe being here for the next six to eight years. And I know that's a lot for Cowboys fans to hear, but it pushes the cap number down a lot. And you can be a little bit more flexible in free agency, which all fans want the Cowboys to do. And it might not be the eight-year time frame, but even if you give them an extra four to six, that's kind of the comfortable range for me. I'm all for it. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. And you made a great point where, you know, again, you can – You can beat you can beat the quarterback market because I don't want to be the team that uh, tries to sign a quarterback after Joe Burrow's contract because that's that's not gonna be uh, that's not gonna be cheap. Joe Joe Burrow might be breaking uh, might be breaking Mahomes' record. That's just Joe Burrow to me. If, if Mahomes is if Mahomes is one, you know I gotta give, I gotta give Joey Joey uh, Joey B there. I gotta give him uh, you know one A. He's so good. And I, I, think, I think he's going to just, I, I think that, that, that number is just going to be so ridiculous. So, you, you know what, I, I, I'm okay with, you know, I would say another three to four years on the back end just to get him towards like the mid to late 30s, you know, kind of in that range where during that time you could try to, you know, try to find a, you know, maybe, you know, a developmental quarterback like a, like the, one of those day three picks I mentioned and then kind of work them in and those guys could be, sit behind, sit behind for a few years. Look at look at what happened with, with Tom Brady and and uh, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he sat by you know Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G. He sat behind Brady for what felt like forever, and then look how good of a career he's had. And he was you know he wasn't you know he wasn't a first round pick. He, you know he was a day two pick. So you could do something like that, and at the same time, you beat the market. That forty million dollars that Dak gets it looks like it's you know it's middle of the road for maybe a top five, top ten quarterback. I'd take that any day of the week. And then here's the thing. Then you could keep a guy like Micah Parsons for the rest of his career and potentially a CeeDee Lamb for the rest of his career. Like, it's to me, you you know what? And the Cowboys have been pretty good about that. The the Cowboys, you know, to their credit, the front office has been really good at working those books. They're really good at those void years. If you look at a lot of those big-name contracts, the Zach Martins, the DeMarcus Lawrences, they like to throw some void years in. Which yes, it stinks because they could be they could retire, you know, after the after the, the actual like their playing days are done, and still get a, get paid for another year or two after the contracts up. But here's the thing: you're keeping the cap number now, you know, lower so you can bring in these other pieces and keep this 12 and five team. You know, let's keep it consistent: 12 wins every year, great playoff runs every year. It can be done if you just balance out the books a little bit. Maybe get Dak locked in long term, and then guess what? Let's keep Micah Parsons forever. How about that? I think that's I think we all can agree. Micah Parsons, he, whatever contract he wants. Jerry Jones is back the Brinks truck at Micah's house and say, "It's all yours, buddy. You're you're a cowboy for life. I don't want to ever see him in another uniform."
1: Well, you look at Lamb, you look at Parsons, even Diggs. I mean, three guys that were just in the Pro Bowl over the weekend, they're going to be consistent Pro Bowlers for the foreseeable future, and I think that's the next generation of the Cowboys. If you get a veteran quarterback in there like a Dak Prescott, lower the cap hit – then you're really building something. And I think, again, like we've talked about throughout this whole podcast, Dak is a quarterback not similar to Patrick Mahomes, but similar to Hertz. where... And Hurts is still on a rookie deal. He's going to be paid a lot of money this offseason, you know, uh, potentially. And you look at they're going to have to fluctuate with that price. So even if you extend Prescott, you're beating that, and he's comparable to that. And the Cowboys could argue, or at least Prescott's agents could argue, you know, he's a better quarterback than Hurts. Well, I mean, he's not having the Super Bowl on his ledger, but still – You can look at his accomplishments and say, you know, there's an argument to be made. Um, And I laid out some pros and cons. The pros to extending Prescott, like we mentioned, you could free up some space for some other important free agents down the line. And you can get a top 10 quarterback in the league cheap before everything blows up. The con of it, seeing it from the other side, you're committed to Dak with no more opt-out in 2024. He has a potential out in that season before or entering in next season. McCarthy might not be the, the head coach next season, depending on what happens this year. So you can do a complete reset of the whole roster, get rid of Dak, get rid of McCarthy, and get new blood in there. But the thing is, I look at the Cowboys haven't had a recent draft history with, of success with drafting modern NFL quarterbacks. Yes, they took Aikman in the first round, but that was forever ago. You look at quarterbacks after that, Dak was a fourth-round pick. Tony Romo was an undrafted free agent. Cooper Rush was an undrafted free agent. They haven't been able to evaluate quarterback talent at a high level. And yeah, they were in the conversation for Carson Wentz and Jared Goff in the Elliott draft, but Jared Goff and and Carson Wentz haven't turned out to be the best pros out there. So you're kind of looking at, well, where does this front office evaluate the quarterback position? I would say if you can negate that for a few more years until other quarterbacks can develop, you know, within the draft and everything. You solidify the talent around Dak now and open up the window. You keep that window open and not close it, and then reset, and then all of a sudden you're losing guys like Jaron Curse, Demarcus Lawrence, Zach Martin, and then you're having just a whole overhaul while trying to sign Micah Parsons, and you're wasting years of this young talent and this young core that the Cowboys have.
2: Man, I, that hurts me a little bit. About the, the I just, didn't, I didn't think about it with comparing uh, our uh, our team to the. Uh, to the New York Jets when it comes to drafting quarterbacks, man, that's, that's painful. I just, that was just, when you were naming those names, the last like really high draft pick that I can remember for quarterbacks, I think it was second round pick. I think it was Quincy Carter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that was, that was the last, and that's going back a little bit because he's been out of the league for a long time. I, I was, I was a young kid when uh, Quincy Carter was, uh you know, was throwing the ball for the boys and, and that was, you know, he was, he, he had, a, he was okay, but you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a megastar. And, and here's the thing. Thank God the Raiders drafted Connor Cook. Thank you, Raiders. Because the Cowboys were gonna draft Connor Cook. The Raiders took Connor Cook just before Dak Prescott in round four back in 2016. And then the Cowboys were like, well, you know what? This Prescott guy's pretty good. And then, you know, it's 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 worked out well. So, you know, it, the Cowboys, their their history is. They, you know, since Troy Aikman, they're not really good at drafting quarterbacks. I think that's, I think that's an obvious thing. I mean, shoot, we even had Ryan Leaf here for a little bit. So that was, that was a little, you know, Drew Henson, you know, I can, Clint Sterner, I think was here as well. I can go down the list of quarterbacks over the years since Troy Aikman, but you know, God forbid the Cowboys is regressing this massive, you know, way in, in 2023. I, I don't see it happening, but you know, where Mike McCarthy's out the door Dax had enough with the Cowboys because he's got that potential out. Like you mentioned in 2024, you know what they could be back to the drawing board. And I hate to say this, but they could be looking at a quarterback, in, you know, in, in 2024. I'm not saying that I'm not putting that out in the universe, but that's like the doomsday scenario. I don't want to think about that because when you put us in the same category as the New York jets, let's just hope Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy are here for a long haul, because I don't want to be in that situation because unfortunately the New York jets are who they are. And they, they, they're 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 desperate for quarterbacks and they're going to probably pay a heavy price in the, in the market in the offseason here and I I don't want the Cowboys to be on on that side of the uh,
1: history and the uh, two things another name too is Paxton Lynch as a guy that they were trying to trade up for you know that that it just didn't work out so History would also say that the Cowboys haven't needed to be in that situation. They haven't been picking in the top 10. Only recently it was the Elliott draft that they took him instead. And they had Romo. They have Dak. So they haven't had a top 10 pick where they haven't had a quarterback and they need to draft one. So we don't really know. That's just a world that I don't want to live in right now where I just push it off. But if they do, Caleb Williams is, you know, coming up, so it's like, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. But again, like we mentioned, we're not putting it out there that it happens. We just know that it's, it's something that you could push off for now and keep this window open as long as possible.
2: Oh, absolutely, I and mean, Caleb Williams is the guy. I was, I was thinking the same thing that the bees were always on the uh, the killer bees here. We we're on the same wavelength. I think that kid's got a lot of talent, so I think that kid's got a great future. Hopefully he's not wearing a Cowboys uniform because that means we're in a bad spot in, uh, in 2023. So we're, we don't we don't want to put that in the universe. And another name from uh, from Cowboys draft uh, lore is uh, Johnny Freaking Football, Johnny Manziel. Uh, thank goodness that card was not turned in for Johnny Football because the Cowboys wouldn't have a guy that we all love very much, uh, number seventy. Zach Martin, the future Hall of Fame guard. So, uh, you know, we've had a stroke of luck in, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, in, in these drafts over the years, and we've fallen into some players. Even Travis Frederick, where nobody had him as a first-round pick, Cowboys take him in the first round, and obviously his career was ended a little, you know, prematurely for you know for, for medical reasons, unfortunately. But he had a pretty darn good career, and, and and he and for a guy who was quote unquote by the experts a third-round grade. I'll, I'll tell you, I, that, that was a pretty darn good late first round pick. So I, think I I trust the Cowboys in these drafts. I just hope that a Caleb Williams is not on the Cowboys, you know, on the radar in 2024 because that means this coming year is not going to be a lot of fun.
1: I'd like to say that we laid out a really good blueprint for the Cowboys to follow to make it to the Super Bowl. So again, if Jerry Jones is listening, Mike McCarthy, we have the resources we have the knowledge here to help you out pro bono. We won't take, you know, any money for it. We'll take the credit. We'll say, Hey, listen, tune into this episode, you know, way back when we, we laid it all out for you to follow. Um, but you know, we can't leave this episode without giving Super Bowl predictions. I think we know who we're going to pick here. Uh, but I'll throw it to you first. Who do you have winning the big game on Sunday?
2: Oh, I won't go too long winded on this, but I hate to say that, but the, the stats, the, you know, the rankings and stats, you know, it's closer than the experts uh, may may think, and, and, and Philly does have a lot of uh, a lot of things that the Chiefs don't, but the Eagles don't have Patrick Mahomes, they don't have Travis Kelsey, which is why the Kansas City Chiefs are going to roll. I think the game, I think I think the game's going to be over. I think I think people are going to watch Rihanna and call it a night. I think that's where it's going on on uh, Super Bowl Sunday.
1: Wow. I I like that. I like to hear it as a Cowboys fan. You are right when, when you look at the matchup between the offensive line of the Chiefs and the defensive line of the Eagles. The defense for the Eagles is significantly better in my mind than what the Chiefs have, but the ultimate equalizer it seems to be is Patrick Mahomes. But I also look to somebody like an Andy Reid, who's been in this position, um, which I keep forgetting that it's sort of like a quote-unquote revenge game, even though he didn't call it that, against his former team. Um, But I do think that inexperience plays a a huge factor in these big game situations. And I look at somebody, and I know it didn't against, you know, the Eagles and the Patriots years ago with Peterson and, and Belichick, but I look at offensively when this game is going to be won, I think, on the offensive side of the ball, trying to just outscore the other team. And, again, it's cliche to say, but I do think that the, the Chiefs will have a little bit more success because they have the proven coach. Hurts, again, has not been in the situation. He's been great all season, but I do think that the Eagles are still a young team. The Chiefs have remaining guys on that roster that have been through the gauntlet going to five straight AFC championships, which is – absolutely insane um but i I look at the roots of who the chiefs are to me give them just a little bit more of an edge in the situation i do think it'll be close i think maybe 21 17 kind of around that range
2: i'll be honest man it's it's the stats the rankings they're close i just to me i just think patrick mahomes and travis kelsey are just gonna they're just gonna light light them light the eagles up. i just and it's not you know it's not only just a cowboys thing you know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs to me are just a juggernaut. The, the only way, the only way I keep, I see this game being close, and I'm looking at the injury report here. If Willie Gay, who's a very important linebacker for the Chiefs, if he can't go, if, uh, you know, if, if the Jerry Snead can't go, that makes things a little more interesting. But if they can get those guys in the lineup, I think, I think that's, I think that's going to be a good thing for the Chiefs. Because right now, the one advantage that the Eagles have over the Chiefs is their health. They've had, they have guys on the quote unquote injury report, but it's, it's just, it's just like rest days. It's not like, Oh, they're questionable for the game. So it's, it, it comes down to if these pieces play C. H. has been activated off the IR. So uh, we'll see Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and we'll see him. Uh, we'll see him in the lineup and uh, you know, he, he's a good piece, but I do think jerk McKinnon's a, another great, great player, which it took a little bit of time because you know, he was, you know, he, it took a few years in that contract to see what he could do because of injury. But McKinnon's a, a pretty good player as well. So overall, it's good. You know, it's it's. I think I just think the Chiefs are just going to roll, man. I just, you know, it, maybe it's maybe 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 Rihanna. You know, maybe it's after Rihanna. Maybe it's third quarter. Maybe I'll backpedal a little bit to the third quarter. But I just I, I just can't see the Eagles beating the Chiefs. And it, it's it's the Chiefs to me are are the best team in the league and it's not even it's not even a a discussion the eagles were good but i think the eagles and a lot of eagles fans can you know they can at me on twitter if they want at icebreaker 21 go ahead i just think they've had a little bit lighter of a schedule than uh than the chiefs have this year and the chiefs have proven to beat the better conference which is the afc and i i just i just think the chiefs are just a juggernaut and i think the game's the game's gonna be over i think quicker than people think
1: all I want to see is the ring around the rosy play again. Just bring that out. Uh, I would love to see just some sort of offensive creativity, just make it an exciting game. And I know I can speak for everybody who's listening right now. This was an exciting podcast. Uh, we will be next week. Hopefully Jess will be back as well. Brandon, again, thank you so much for hopping on. You can follow him at Icebreaker21, like he mentioned. All the Eagles fans, you know, go Adam if you want. Uh, my name is Brandon Laurie. You can follow me on Twitter at Right For Brandon... I am Brandon. Thank you for tuning into the latest episode of the Writer's Block. And as always, go Cowboys.